There is nothing like declaring the praises of him who has called us out of darkness. I don't know about you, but I got a reason to shout Waymaker because he made a way for me. I got a reason to shout Promise Keeper because he always keeps his promises. Come on. He is so faithful. He is so sweet, and he is so strong on your behalf. I don't know if you know this this morning or not, but your God is fighting for you. He is with you, not against you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He is actually a God who sticks closer than a friend, closer than a brother. He is the God like no other. Come on now. We love him so much for who he is. If you love Jesus, let's give him one more shout of praise right there in your seats. Socially distant and all, we can give God the glory. Hey, if you're just joining us online, welcome to Hope Church. You are our VIP. Go ahead, text I am a VIP to 94090. We have somebody live on the other end of that communication. We'd love to meet you. And if you're a first time guest in the house, let's give it up for all our first time guests. You are our VIPs. VIPs in the front, VIPs in the back. Welcome to Hope. We're so glad that you're here this morning. Thank you for coming. My name's Nate. I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church, and we are so excited. We are people of hope who joyfully anticipate great things from an amazing God for you. We go to the Word of God every single weekend here at Hope Church, and we love His Word. Anybody ready for the Word of God this morning? Come on. We're looking for a word from the Word. Okay, so if you're just catching up to us, we are in a series called Think, Think, Think. Everybody say, Think, Think, Think where we've been challenging the way that we think. Because we have found that real change, if we want to keep growing, if we want to keep showing, real change doesn't start out there. It really starts in here. If we want to change something in our finances, we don't put our hands on our finances as much as we put our hands. God, please change the way I think. Because if I change the way I think, different things happen with my money. You know, if we want to change relationships, you know this, you know this. The people at your work aren't going to change, right? The people in your life aren't going to change. But you can change your relationships by changing the way you think about relationship. Are you with me? If you want to change something, don't tell everybody else they're the problem. Don't tell the money it's the problem. Come on, tell yourself, if I change the way I think, I draw different things into my life. In fact, all change really begins on the inside. It starts and completes in the way that we think. And if you are going to change your reality outside of you, you have to start by changing on the inside. Everybody ready to change today? Ready to challenge some thoughts you've thought for a very long time? Come on, that is where real growth happens. Our biblical launch pad for this series is one of my favorite verses. It's Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for as a man thinks inside, thinks in his heart of hearts, thinks in his heart, so he is, is, so he, so he is, right? So is he, that's what it is. So is he or so is she. Come on now. As you think in your heart, so is he. Is is a state of being verb, which means that your reality today is directly linked to your think. Your reality today, what you have or don't have, who you are or who you're not, is directly linked to the way you think in your heart. All right? Are you with me? How many have been enjoying this series so far? Come on. If you have, we're excited. If you haven't and you've never been here, we're really excited that you're here too. We're going to catch you up. In week one, we said this about our thinking. Our mind basically has two functions, and these two functions affect how we make decisions and how we live today. 
And so here it is. Our mind has the capacity to evoke memories and to envision the future. And we deal with our present based on a memory from the past. Well, this is the way it's always done. This is the way it is. This is what my dad taught me. This is what they taught them. This is the way it's done. It's evoking memories. Well, I had this life experience. Well, actually, they hurt me. So evoking memories dictates our future. Or, or we have the ability to envision the future, right? Envision or imagine the future, which affects our daily lives today. And you spend one of two times more evoking memories or envisioning the future two primary functions, to remember and recall or to imagine. Your mind has filed away every life experience in your life, and you can relive those experiences anytime, anywhere you want. Scientists say one of the differentiation things between us and every other species on the planet is that we have the capacity to relive and rethink experiences at such a high level, we could be living in the fallout, like literally living in an experience that is not there. For example, you had a conflict with your coworker, and they just made you so mad, and you go back, and you relive that experience, and you think of all the things you could have said. How many of you guys have been there? Should have said, would have said, could have said, and as you're thinking about this interchange, as you're thinking about this experience, it's not real, it's not happening, but your palms start sweating. And the, the hair on the back of your neck and your blood pressure rises. And you're like, ah, you're living in a stressful state that doesn't exist. But it exists where your mind is at. Because you have the capacity to relive and imagine. A deer, once the wolf stops chasing it, the deer is done. He moves on. He grazes in the next field. But we live in a state of anxiety, stress, turmoil inside based on where we evoke our memories from. Are you catching this? And so anytime you want to, anywhere you want to, you could be in prison and be in Maui if you've been there before or just imagining the future because you are not where your body is. You are where your head is. You are where your mind is at. I want to show you what I'm talking about today with a story from the Old Testament from King David. King David was the king of Israel. And when he took the throne, when he got into power, he made a promise to his best friend during the war. He said, Jonathan, if there's anybody alive, if there's anybody around from your lineage, I want to show them kindness. So he asked all his men, is there anybody from Jonathan's house that I might show him kindness? And they said, yes, actually, there's one person left from the whole lineage of Saul, one person of Jonathan. Here it is. His name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth is crippled. He was dropped as a baby when he's running away from your men. And he, the, the nursemaid, she landed on Mephibosheth's legs, and he is crippled. From birth, basically, he has no leg movement because he has crushed legs. And that makes him an outcast. Not only did it make him survive, but it also made him the outcast of his family, an outcast of society. He was left alone. He was isolated because he was crippled from an incident from his birth. So his whole life, he's had a victim mentality. He could have been like, I'm the only person alive from my whole family. Or he could have been like, and thank you, Jesus. Or he could have been like, I'm alive, but my life is hell because someone landed on my legs as a baby. And so I'm alive, but I'm living in hell, and I'm worse off. You see, he could either be a victim or he could be thankful for the exact same scenario. Only person alive in his family. Only person who knows Jesus. Only person who's been redeemed and restored and just le left to a real opportunity, a real chance to have a life. Everybody else has been slaughtered to get. But he was a victim. So David sent a servant down to go get Mephibosheth. And um, they literally carried him to the palace. When he got to the palace, there was a banqueting table laid out before him. 
and he had a choice. He chose to get on the floor. Instead of sitting at the table, Mephibosheth laid on the floor, the Bible says. He looked up at everyone he thought was better than him. He looked up at everybody he thought was his enemy. Everybody he thought should kill him, have nothing to do with him, better than him, on two legs. And he said, why would you look upon a dead dog like me? What's the angle, King David? Why are you showing favor to a dead dog like me? That's the way he describes himself, a dead dog. As a man thinks in his heart, so his life goes. But not on this day. He won the lotto. He said, why would you favor me? The son of an enemy family, the loser, a cripple, an outcast even in my own family, and I'm your enemy to boot. Why would you bring me into your table? See, they changed his geography but he stayed on the floor in his mind. They brought him into a palace, but he stayed in poverty right here in his mind because he didn't see himself in a palace. He didn't envision his future being blessed. He thought of himself as a crippled, dead dog. And we know Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so his life follows. Even after years of being placed in the king's palace and being shown kindness and favor from King David, Mephibosheth later sided with a traitor to the throne named Absalom. And he destroyed his destiny and betrayed King David. Because as a man thinks, so his life choices go. Because no matter what kindness David showed him, no matter what David said to him about his value and worth, Mephibosheth didn't think it in his heart, so he never became it himself. See, God can put you in a brand new place. God can speak words of life and blessing over your destiny. But if you got an old mind, you're going to end up right where you started. A dead dog like me. You will sit on the floor of life, stare up at a banqueting table that's set up, prepared for you, a bright future, an amazing hope, acting like you're a dead dog that you think that you are. That's why the way you think is so your life goes. That's why you can live in a palace, eat the king's food, hit the jackpot, literally, and still end up right back where you started. Happens all the time. On the side of the loser, Absalom, who's betraying his own father, King David, with nothing, with nothing, because you never left that dead dog mentality. Come on, even though you entered into a new life in Christ, you can change geography, you can change spouses, you can change houses, you can change careers, but until you change your thinking, you will end up just as miserable in a brand new place with a brand new wife, with a brand new a job opportunity. You are what you think you are. You can go on vacation, but you know you take your thoughts with you. That's why vacations leave you more tired than you started. Because you have to live in that think tank. My God, I feel sorry for you. Or, my God, your life is amazing. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not the room you're in. You're not the geography you're in. You are not the geography that you occupy. You are where your head is at. Your thinking defines your reality. And whether you relive what happens to you all the time, every time you want to, the problems, the pain, the past, or the, the future, whether, whatever way you land on. So many people, they live and they face the beautiful table in front of them from the flawed memory bank that limits your future. They face this beautiful spread that King David laid out for you and has a great future, but they face it with a flawed memory bank that messes up their future. 
And the truth is, your memory is the size of a closet compared to your imagination, which is the size of the cosmos. Your closet is so limited, your cosmos is so unlimited. And because at creation, you are the only being on the planet that was not spoken into existence, you were breathed into existence. So when God said, let there be mountain, mountain was limited, mountain was defined, but mountain was only mountain. Mountain can never be tree, tree can never be mountain, horse can never be pig, pig can never be horse. But you were not spoken with limitation, you were breathed into as humanity, and you are unlimited in your imagination, you are unlimited in your your potential you are unlimited in your possibility the only creation that God breathed into he was breathed into being not spoken so there is no limitation and we are unlimited in our capacity that's why we proceed and the deer in the field is still doing the same thing the deer in the field did for so many generations before him we are not a deer we are unlimited in our capacity and not only that we have a God who says he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all that we could ask think about or imagine he's the God who says I want to see your best unlimited thought so I can supersede it so I can complete it so I can overrule it and override it the only one that's keeping us in our closet thinking is us God is begging us to step outside the closet into the cosmos and dream our biggest dream think our largest thought just so he can not only complete it so he can override it and do exceedingly and abundantly and a all you can think about or imagine. Come on, he is fighting for you to step into the cosmos of the unknown and unlimited. And he wants you to do it so he can take you beyond it. That's why this is not just a crutch for the broken. That's why Christianity is not just a crutch where hurting people come to barely survive and get through because their life is going through hell. No, Christianity, walking with Jesus, takes you from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from success to greater success, from the possible into the impossible, from the imaginable into the imaginable. This is not a place where losers come and feel better by a pep talk. This is a place where champions come and do the impossible. We were born. We were created to step into our God-given reality and say, I am the head and not the tail. I am above only and never beneath. When he said, I'm welcome at his table, I take a seat where I don't belong. And I say, yes, God, I will sit right here. I receive your word. I receive your position. I receive your goodness in my life. And I say, I am more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I am the head and not the tail. I will not settle for second best. When you call me to a life full of success, come on, people of hope, shout if you believe I just can't do church as normal. I believe what we're talking about has the power to change your reality. I think this is the key to life transformation with a God who wants it more than you want it. Who wants to change your reality. But he will not force himself on you. He gave you a free will. He gave you a free mind. He gave you free emotions. That's your soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions are your response-ableness. 
your responsibility. Nobody else can do it like you can do it. He won't force you to get out of the closet of your memory and not be stuck in what they said and not be stuck in what they did and not be stuck in what didn't work before and not be stuck with what limited your future in the past. Only you can choose to step out of the closet with your free will, with your free mind, with your free emotions and choose the cosmos of your imagination with Jesus. Oh, come on, Hope Church. If I can get you to leave this building, tapping into your faith, tapping into the power of your imagination, tapping into the gift that God gave you, there's a picture of tomorrow that is so powerful, it will pull you out of the pain of your past. There is a picture of tomorrow that is so powerful, it will make your present pop like never before. There is a picture of tomorrow that can get you into the freedom of the good hope and the good future that God has for you. Come on, you're not meant to live less than. You're not meant to live a dead dog on the floor. You're not meant to live depleting thoughts about yourself. You were born to be more. More than a winner, the Bible says. More than a conqueror. You're not a slave. You're a soldier who wins. Come on, Mao. Come on, now. The choice is yours. Today, are you going to choose your memory or are you going to step into your imagination? What is going to be the predominant predictor of your present, your future vision that God has for you, or the past and the pain of what didn't work, how it hurt, and what you need to protect? My God, you're choosing either closet or cosmos every time something comes up in front of you. What will you do? Somebody say, baby. Somebody say, cosmos. Here I come. Come on, tell your neighbor like you believe something we're talking about today. Say, cosmos. Here I come stepping out of the closet see God took Moses to a mountain and on the mountain he showed him the tabernacle he gave him a picture of something he wanted to perform and God delivers Israel out of Egypt and into the wilderness all these slave-minded people why does he take them into the wilderness he's trying to give them some time to change the way they think to get Egyptians thinking out of them See, they left Egypt, but the way Egypt thinks is still in them. You see it made manifest in the, in the models and the, uh, the idols that they make. You see it in the way they think. Tell us what to do, where to go, when to get up. They think like slaves. Provide for us. Poverty mentality. Um, give me everything for free. I need it right now the way I want it. Or I'm going to complain and talk about the leaks back in Egypt. You know, that is a broken mentality. And they're thinking like slaves for 400 years. 400 years. And he has brought them out into a wilderness, a pit full of sand, to change them from slaves to soldiers. And he knows i got to change them from slave mindsets to soldier mindsets. It has to happen in their minds. And initially, all they have is sand. They have no government. They have no worship place. They have no economy. They have no laws. They have nothing. Three million people standing in the sand. God has to be their water. God has to be their warmth. God has to be their air conditioner. God has to be their closet that never wears out. God has to be their chef every morning and night. God has to be their everything. And God said to Moses, I'll take care of the food, the drink, your clothes, and your comfort. But Moses, I want you to build a place where I can get with my people. Because I cannot change their minds until I spend time in their imagination. I cannot fix what I'm not in front of. So if I'm in front of them, if I'm at the center of everything, I want to be with you so bad because I want your affection. I want your attention. If we're ever going to change your mindsets as slaves, you have to start to believe in what I say you are more than your slave masters said you were. 
If we're ever going to change your mindset, you have to start to listen to what God says about you more than what you think about you. And it takes time, and it takes a moment, and I want you to make me the focus of your life. In order to do that, we need to spend time together. I want a tabernacle. I want it to be center of everything. Every time you pack up camp, put me in the center. Every time you set up camp, put me in the center. I want to be at the focus of everything. It will be the focus. I gave you a plan. I imagined it with you. Now make it the focus of everything. That's why we say church is essential. Relating to Jesus is the focus of which we live our lives and everything else comes into alignment and order under his authority in our lives. We have a focus. It's not because we love church. It's because we honor and prioritize God in every area of our lives. Now remember that word. We're coming back to that word. Moses, I want you to make this the focus. You build it, and you make it in the center all the time. Jesus at the center of it all, <laughs> right? So he takes Moses to the mountain. He showed him a picture of the tabernacle. Then when he got down the mountain, God said, build what I showed you on the mountain. It's going to happen not because you saw it, but because you put effort behind what you thought about. Let me say it again. God said, remember what I showed you. You remember the picture that I showed you in your mind, in your future. Now build what I showed you. Build what you and I imagined together. Build what you envisioned in your future. Because, are you hearing me, right? Because I should be able to look at what you're building and know exactly where you're headed. I should be able to see and study your daily decisions and know exactly what trajectory your life is headed for. Know exactly what you've been envisioning in the dark. Because you've got to practically build what you saw before. The Bible says, works, uh, faith without works is dead. That actually means having a vision without a corresponding action, envisioning the future without embracing the work is useless. Useless. Five years ago, I saw something before we got here at Hope Church. And what did I begin to do? I began to build what God showed me because what I saw in front of me, it pushes me to get up and to go and to work. Work, 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 work. Work, 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 work. It's not good to just envision. You've got to put it to work. You've got to put feet to the prayers you're praying. You've got to put feet to the plans you have. Tell your neighbor, build something with your life. I love Matthew 6.22. It says, the light of the body is the eye. The light of the body is the visionary part, the perspective part. If therefore your perspective be single, if your eye be single, your whole body will fill up with what you see. Your whole body will fill up with light. Whatever you see the most, you're consumed with. That's why he said put it at the center. Some of you are so so consumed with what happened, but others of you are so consumed with what hasn't happened yet. You're envisioning your future, but no matter where your mind goes the most, this verse says whatever you see the most is what you're consumed with. Are you hearing me? He said if your eye be single. Everybody say single. So now we're talking about the power of focus. Today's message is find your focus. Finding your focus. Focus eliminates distractions. Focus is very, very powerful if you can do it with one thing. But the verse has a small if on the front. It says, if therefore thine eye be single. If your eye is single. If you can stay focused and be consumed with what you're focused on. Focus will make things grow. Focus makes things grow. Whatever you focus on grows. And I mean whatever. You focus on the negative, the pain of your past, it grows. 
All men are dogs. You keep saying that, I guarantee you're going to meet some men that are dogs. <laughs> All women are beautiful and non-manipulative. Guess what? You're going to meet some women in your future that are good, not manipulative. Whatever you focus on finding, you'll find it. Come on now. I believe in the best. I don't care what my past, my past says all men are dogs, but I see something in my future that is not defined by my past. Come on now. Whatever you focus on, whatever you set your mind towards, it grows and gets into your future. I'd write that down. Whatever you focus your mind on, it grows, it expands, and it gets into your future. You find good men or you'll find dogs. Whatever you ignore starts to diminish. It starts to leave your life. You see less of and less of it in your perspective. And what you ignore loses place on the inside. As a man thinks in his heart, so he finds in his life. But what you focus on grows. So if I was the enemy of your destiny, and I wanted to destroy your destiny, I wouldn't try to defeat you. I would just try to distract you. Because I know the power of focus. I would break your focus and therefore disrupt your whole future. If thine eye to be single, your whole body will be full of what you see. Everything in this world is fighting for your focus. Every company with a product or a service, they want your focus. It's called advertisement. If they can get you to look at what they're doing, you'll probably be more likely to buy it. If they can get your focus, you, you will be in their future and they will be in your future. Every product, every TV program, every media outlet. Come on now. Every child. You have more than one child? I guarantee you, all three of those babies are fighting for your focus as dada. You have more than one, you will see every good thing, every bad thing, every relationship, every friendship, every personality online, every lie, every truth, every good, every bad thing, it's fighting for your focus. Because they know if they can get your focus today, they can affect your future tomorrow. Everything is fighting for focus. God said, Moses, I want you to build a tabernacle on wheels. We'll call it church on wheels. And everywhere you go, set that thing right up in the center. It'll be the main focus of your camp. Everything revolves around the main focus. What's God's strategy for changing people's minds from slaves to soldiers, warriors, champions, from defeatists? Be the focus. If I can get their attention, if I can get their affection, I might have some credibility to speak into their future. And I might be able to change their mindsets about themselves, thinking, yes, we are well able to take the land. If you make me your focus, you have a well-able spirit. You make yourself the focus, you can't do anything. And everybody's thinking of you as a grasshopper. God's not an idiot. He knows if I can get your focus, Joshua and Caleb, they got the focus. They understood it. The other 10 spies did not, and they ended up right where they thought their life would go, dead in the sand. Joshua and Caleb said, not today, Satan. My focus is on the tabernacle. It's on the tent. It's on the meeting place. He says we are more than able. We are well able, much less God being with us, even more well able. Come on now. And he's, you know, the master of distraction and deception is the enemy. And he knows the power of focus. He, will do, he knows that you will do all the damage yourself in your life if he can just flip your focus. If he can flip your focus, you'll start to second-guess everything. You'll second-guess yourself, your friends, your church, your God, your faith, your purpose, your volunteering, your leading, your passions, and so on. If he can flip your focus, you'll ruin your own future. Anything the enemy can do to flip your focus and give you division. 
which isn't a, a big fancy word. It's simply two visions. If you can not be single-eyed, but double-eyed, he's got you. His purpose is to distract, right? To defeat you, distract you, and divide you internally. He'll do it. He'll try to get you saying stuff like, you know, I, I hear what you're saying at church, but this is what my therapist is saying, and now I have two different competing voices. I hear what you're saying, I like it, and I hear what she's saying, and I also like it, I have two visions. God's word and what humanity tells me. Not saying therapists are wrong, just saying, you know, it could be anything. You know, I hear how you're trying to build me up and encourage me inside, but this is what I believe about myself. And so you discredit all the truth of what they're saying, and you minimize what you really are because you have two different visions. You say, I see what you're saying, but I also see what's real. It's like you have two friends. One is the enemy of the other. You know, I kind of understand what your enemy is saying about you, how passionate and how ridiculous you are. I like you, pastor, but your enemies have a point. You're a little intense. Two focuses. I'm going to say two focuses. <laughs> I'm just trying to give practical examples. Maybe I'm swinging and missing. But what I believe about me, it gets into my future. And if I believe two different things, you know, that means you're one thing with these people. You're another thing with these people. You see so many different things depending on who you're looking at or who you're looking with. You see so many different things depending on what's in your head that day about yourself. And it's so inconsistent but let's look at James chapter 1 verse 6 it says this very straightforward but let him ask in faith with no division no doubting no second guessing for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven tossed to and fro by the wind and not let that let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord why he is a double-minded man unstable in all his ways there goes the Bible again. As a man thinks, so his ways go. Double-minded man, unstable in all your lifestyle. Double-minded man, unstable. There again, the indication that your life follows your thoughts. And if you're divided in your thoughts, your life will go nowhere. Double-minded. Jesus said, if your eye be single, your whole life will be full of light, passion, purpose, focus, and so on. But he said to the guy who's distracted, the person who tries to operate on several different focuses at one time will receive nothing from the Lord. They might get something, but it's not from the Lord. But So a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And those people scare me, and they should scare you too. People who are up one day, down the next, friends with this person, hates this person, then they're best friends with that person, then hates that person. It's like you never know what you're going to get. Forrest Gump said it about chocolates. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Chewy ones, creamy ones, nutty ones. But it's not good with personalities. It's called bipolar. Up one day, down the next. You know, I want to know what I'm getting with people. That what you see is what you get. You want to be attracted to people who are consistently the same all the time. Those people who act the same way when nobody's watching as when everybody's watching. The people who act some ways with you and then change the ways they act, they should scare you a little bit. They should make you nervous. You should not put them in your inner circle of friends. Inconsistent. Non-integral. Where what you see is not what you get. He said those people won't receive anything from the Lord. Because they'll lack the ability to focus, to commit to one vision, to commit to one perspective, to commit to one lens, to lock into a vision for their future. But if your eye be single, your whole body will be full of light. 
So imagine if, if I were to imagine the life that God had for me, everything lights up. If I were to imagine everything that God saw in my future, everything comes into alignment, everything comes into agreement, my whole life lights up. My whole body is full of light. If you're sick, can you imagine yourself healed? If you are in lack, can you imagine yourself prosperous and in overflow? Just stop and think, I don't have anything, don't have two coins to run together. What would I do if I had a lot? Imagine yourself prosperous. It'll affect your today. If you're bound, you're addicted, can you imagine yourself free? What would you do with all that time you don't spend on the computer looking at those things? Imagine what you would do with all that reality if that was not plaguing your mind all the time. Replaying and replaying and replaying. Can you see it? Come on. When you're envisioning the future, the clearer you can see it, the more it comes to you. I just tweeted that this afternoon. The, the, I'm telling you the truth. The clearer you can envision your future, the more that future comes to you. The faster that future comes to you. And you got to see it in high def detail, in high resolution color before it comes to you. You can't see it once you arrive. You have to see it in order to arrive. You have to spend time in your future in order to arrive there. You've got to see freedom while you're still bound. You've got to see prosperity when you still can't pay for that thing. You've got to see blessing when you're looking at cursing. Okay, so the more you imagine it, spending time there gives you the passion to pursue. The more you'll want to be a soldier and the less you will like being a slave. Spend time in God's presence. You will hate slave mindsets. Focus, focus. In Mark chapter 5, there's this woman with the issue of blood. She was losing blood for 12 years. You have issues in your life. Some of them last 12 years. Some of you have been in trauma and abused, and it's been longer than 12 years. This woman's been hurting for 12 years. Some people have physical issues for longer than 12 years. This woman knows what pain feels like. In Mark chapter 5, she had tried every medicine, every doctor, everything to get better over the years all 12 of them but at this point in the story the bible says she was an extremely weakened condition and catch this the bible says in mark 5 27 that she said within herself this translation says she thought because she thought if i can just touch him in her inner man she thought to herself if i could just touch the hedge of his garment i can be made whole so she said i can put an end to this sickness that's been with me forever with jesus what the doctor said would never get fixed what time has told me never gets fixed with all the pain and the outcast and all the realities never gets fixed i can fix this thing if i can touch jesus and here's the thing it doesn't matter what her past said it didn't matter what failure after failure after failure said she envisioned the future anyways I'd like to have some resilient people of hope who say, I don't care what my mom said. I don't care what my teacher said. I don't care what that person said. I don't care what I thought about myself. I'm going to envision a bright future anyways. Regardless of the doctor's report, regardless of what my time and my history and my closet tells me, I'm envisioning a cosmos that's unlimited with Jesus. The Bible says Jesus was thronged by people. He was surrounded with people. Jesus said, who touched me? They said, everybody's touching you, Jesus. This is like the Super Bowl. Everybody's touching you. He said, no, somebody touched me with faith. Power went out of my being. Somebody came after me because they saw something before they got here. 
Somebody came after me because somebody on Sunday morning met with Jesus because they saw something before they stepped in the building. Somebody came with expectancy. Somebody came with faith. I just don't get anything out of praise and worship. What do you see before you get here? The goose egg? That's what you get. I don't get anything from Pastor Nate's preaching. It's too nice and sweet and and just happy, go-friendly people. I just don't get anything out of it. What do you expect before you get here? The word has power beyond personality. You can receive something. If you want it, even bad preachers can take you there. Come on now. Come on. We are ready to receive something from the word of God. Why? Because we have a need. We have a desperation. We know if we were to grow, we got to change the way we think. There's a lot of people around me, but some, Jesus said, but somebody came to me who saw something. Jesus loves ambitious people. The centurion, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do, and you're going to heal somebody from afar. Jesus loves people who speak up when everybody says, quiet down, be marginalized. And Bartimaeus is like, Jesus, son of David, I need you anyways. I'm envisioning something anyways. Jesus loves people who have ambition, who say, I'm not going to be stopped by what they said, what I think, what anybody has spoken over my life. I'm going to disobey. Doctors told me to be isolated. That's where she was at. I was not allowed to have any contact with anybody. But she says, I don't care. If something got in my mind, I am single-eyed, not double-minded. A double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord, meaning I know what God has for me, but I care about what people will think if I step out. I know what God has for me, but I'm worried about the complications if I do what somebody told me not to do. You can come to church a thousand times, but if you never see anything, you'll never receive anything you got to see it before you get it. But there's some people coming in here saying, no, Pastor Nate, I see a me that's better than the me I'm living with right now. I'm not done yet. I envision a future with Jesus. I'm not finished yet. I haven't arrived yet. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to grow. And you're saying within yourself. She said it over and over and over within herself, week after week, step after step, day after day. The word meditation means to say over and over again. Next week, we're going to be talking about the power of meditation. Believe me, somebody stole that from Jesus. Don't be intimidated by meditation. Meditation is so powerful. She said within herself, that's what meditate means, to say over and over, not necessarily just on the outside, yes, but on the inside. And you listen to it. She said within herself, I see a whole me when I'm sick. I see a healed me when I'm broken. I see a prosperous me when I'm bankrupt. I see a restored me when everybody else says I'm trash. I am free even though I'm bound. I see something new. I see something impossible. I see something amazing. All I got to do is touch Jesus and he is going to change my life. And I don't have to live like this if I can get to him. Tell your neighbor, I don't have to live like this. These thoughts I've been thinking my whole life. You don't have to live like this if you can get to him. And what she saw gave her the passion and the power to pursue. Even in a pain-filled, weakened condition, her focused vision gave her the passion and the power to move every other whole person 
out the way she needed to move in order to touch Jesus. The power of pursuit, the power of passion comes when you can see something with clarity and focus. People who come to me and say, I have no vision. I have no passion. I have no energy. I'm tired. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so anxious. I'm so weary. I'm so worn out. If you keep talking to them, which is not fun, but if you keep talking to them, you will quickly find out they're in that condition because they can't see anything. It's a vision problem. It's a perspective. If your eye be single, your whole body is filled with passion. Your whole body is filled with light. If you see something, I mean clearly envision something in your future, you have no problem motivating or staying motivated. As a matter of fact, people will be telling you around you to slow down. They'll say things like this, Pastor Nate, slow down. You got your whole life in front of you. Hey, don't be so crazy. Don't push so hard. Why are you pushing through the crowd so hard, crazy lady? It's because I saw this moment before I got here. And I can't wait to get there. I saw the next moment before I'm in it. And you would love to live in my mind. You would be crazy too if you could see what was happening in my mind. You would be excited. You would never not be passionate if you lived in my mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so his life goes. You don't have problems motivating when you live in my mind. I'm telling you the truth. The reason you don't want to get up in the morning is because you can't see anything. It's the definition of depression. You need to change your thoughts, and your thoughts will change your life. About people, about yourself, about problems, about issues that you blame everything. It's not the issue. Take ownership. Take responsibility. You are responsible to shift your thoughts and change your life. I saw something, and it gives me unlimited energy. That's what she said. I saw something, and I can push past the so-called healthy people. Are you kidding me? I don't care if it kills me, honey. I will touch him. I must touch him. If I could just touch him, I need to touch him. Get out the way. Move, son. Get out the way. I'm going after what I saw with Jesus. And because of what you're holding in your heart, you're going to be energized to pursue in a way that's stronger and more powerful than all the so-called balanced people in your life. Balanced is overrated. Healthy is overrated. They can't see anything. That's why they're balanced. They have multiple visions that they don't pursue. That's why they're healthy. And they're all touching Jesus, but nobody's getting jack squat from him. You know what I'm saying? You touch him when you see something. You touch him with something before you get there. As a man thinks in his heart, so he shall receive. The heart is the seat of passion. Passion comes from the thinking in the heart. So the power to go after it came after she convinced herself through meditation, I can do this. I can do this. She had no excuses. She was getting to what she saw in her mind before she got there. That gave her the power to push through. As a 12-year-long bleeding outcast who has no right to be in public, much less touch Jesus in the middle of a crowd. She's been quarantined. She's been isolated. They thought if she got into the public, she would ruin everybody else's health. She lived with the shame of that, and she pushed through all that shame, all that guilt, all that social shame, all of that doctor's report, all of that bad thinking to get to a thought that she grabbed hold of. What are you thinking of? What is on your mind? Now, your mind either does one of two things. I'm going to close with this. Your mind either minimizes problems or maximizes them. 
Your mind either minimizes opportunities or maximizes them. The problem does not determine its size. Your mind determines the size of the problem. It's as big or as small as you make it. It's as hard or as easy as you think it is. I'm continually challenging our staff. I said, we're going to do this, this, and this. And it's really, really overwhelming to them. And I say, it's going to be so easy. Sometimes. It's like a lot of work. They're drowning in work. And I'm like, this is going to be so easy. And they changed their mindset. Now their confession is, when we lay on work, we go after huge projects. They're like, this is going to be so easy. We're going to see so many lives change. We're going to see so much. It's as easy or as hard as you make it. Where's the biblical context for that? Jesus said, my yoke... My work instrument hooked up to me, it's easy. My burden, it's light. Come to me. I'll give you rest for your soul. It is as you think it is. You can either believe yourself and how overwhelmed you are, or you can believe the master of creation and say, I am with Jesus on this one. It is easy. It is light. I receive it. I will walk into my future. Come on now. So and close with this. 1 Kings 18, Elijah walks into the king's palace. Elijah the prophet, he says, king, stop all the Baal worship or I'm going to turn off the rain. It's not going to rain. Elijah has some confidence. He said, it won't rain until I, Elijah, say it will not rain. That's some serious confidence. He saw something. Elijah was a man. Well, sooner or later, he turned off the rain. Three years later, people are dying. Whose fault is that? Elijah's. My grandma died. Elijah's fault, right? My cattle died. That's Elijah's fault. Our crops are all dead and we're in a famine. Elijah's fault. You guys with me? Elijah made a decision to say no rain, none, not a drop, in verse four, till verse 41, three years later. Elijah said to King Ahab, why don't you go up and eat and drink for there's a sound. I hear something in my spirit, the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear abundance, well, it looks like famine. I hear abundance. Well, it looks really dry. I see a lot of water. So Ahab went up to eat and drink. Verse 42, Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, bowed down on the ground, put his face between his knees, said to up to a servant, now go up and look toward the sea. Tell me what you see. So he went up to the sea. He looked and he said, came back, nothing, Elijah. Seven times he said it. Go see what you see. I see nothing. All right, go back. What do you see now? I see nothing. Okay, what do you see now? I see nothing. Then it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, Elijah, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. As small as a man's hand. You are right now looking at a man's hand. I'm a full-grown man, and don't pick on my hands. They, they are what they are, but this is a man's hand. As small as a man's hand. Does this look too big for you? Look big at all? Even from this spot. Imagine looking out over the sea and seeing a cloud this big. Are you with me? So Elijah says, I hear the abundance of rain. Why don't you go up and tell King Ahab, the king, to put, prepare his chariot and hustle down the hill before the rain stops him. I mean, there's a size, a cloud the size of a man's hand. And he's telling the king, you better start down the hill because with all the rain coming, you're going to get stuck in the mud. How big is the cloud, everybody? It's as big as Elijah sees it. It's as big as Elijah sees it. To everybody else, it was so small, the size of a man's hand. To Elijah, it was huge. They saw a hand. He saw God doing something huge that was going to drown his chariot. They saw a hand. He said, I hear something with abundance in it. 
I am maximizing what God is doing on my horizon into my future and I'm pulling it into my present you see a hand I see huge implications I hear abundance in my spirit so many times God's moving in your life and you're like oh it's just the size of a man's hand we'll put that on the table it doesn't matter it's so insignificant and you listen to all the chatter of what people say around you and it's just minimizing the greatest thing that's happening on your horizon because your mind either minimizes or maximizes he saw it saw God moving. Israel's crying out. The Red Sea is in front of them. Egypt's chariots are behind them. Like, oh no, we're going to die. Moses, what are we going to do? Chariots are behind us. Red Sea's in front of us. They start crying out in fear. Moses, Moses says, stand back and see the salvation of the Lord today in your midst. And sea will part and the sea will go back and forth and you will cross across on dry ground. And how big was the sea, everybody? How big was the sea, everybody? So small. For Moses, my problem's not a problem because my mind either minimizes or maximizes. Elijah made a small cloud huge. Moses made a big sea so small. Your mind has the capacity to minimize opportunity, just throw it away, or maximize it. You have the opportunity to magnify problems or come magnify the size of our God with me. Maximize the Lord. And the question really is today, how do you define it? How do you define it? Well, it's the end of my life. She left me. I'm never coming back from this. My life is over. I lost the job. I'll never be the same. I was abused. I'll never get over the pain of this trauma. Okay? Is that how you want to define it? Are you sure? Because your mind minimizes or maximizes. You're really trying trying to tell me to minimize what I feel over the pain that I went through? That was real. It really happened. Yes, but your future determines on what you do with the closet compared to the cosmos. Is it going to define you or is it going to be a brand new opportunity? Because whatever you say is over, I tend to say it is just getting started. You say, oh man. The enemy's so big and bad. He's got his big neck right on my foot, or foot right on my neck. He's stomping all over me. He's crushing me. I'm so filled with fear. I say, my God has made all my enemies my footstool. My feet are on them. You see yourself under his foot. I'll say, man, man, you see this ending your life? I see this promoting your life to possibility that you could have never got to unless that thing ended. You should be thanking him for that thing to end. You're welcome. It's all about how you define it. They don't get to say what it is. The enemy doesn't get to say what it is. You get to say what it is. You call it, and it is as you call it. The Bible said, told Adam, God told Adam, in the very first thing he gave humanity to do, he says, you have the power to call it. God said, Adam, whatever you call it, that's what it is. Humanity's first job on the planet was calling it. You call it cow, it's a cow. You call it giraffe, it's a giraffe. Whatever Adam called it, that's what it was. It's the end or it's your greatest opportunity. What do you think? You call it something. It's going to take you down or it's going to propel you over. What do you say about it? The enemy doesn't get to say it. You get to say it. What do you say? So I simply want to ask you this morning. The hurtful times in life, what are you calling them? The traumatic times in life. The unexpected times in life. 
what do you call them? You are giving power to the closet. Even the good things in front of you. What do you call them? It still seems so small and insignificant to everyone else. What are you calling the dream that God has put in your heart? Someday pipe dream or my purpose to bring into my reality right now? I see a hand the size of a cloud making a huge impact in your future today. It doesn't matter what I see. It only matters what you see and you say. I see you touching Jesus today and being made whole after 12 years of pain and heartache. But what do you see? It doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter what God says. It doesn't matter what anybody says. The only thing that matters is what you see and what you say. I see where you've got it all together and you're good and you think Christianity is a crutch for the broken. But I'm telling you, imagine if your life is this good. Imagine how good it would be if you tapped into the reality of your creator being for you, Jesus being with you. Imagine opening your life up to a relationship and what Jesus can do. You think possible is good? Imagine living in the impossible. You think everything you can make happen is good enough? This is for weak people? Imagine living in what you could never make happen. That's what Jesus does. Talk about unlimited. He gives you the ability to live in the impossible. He said, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy your destiny. But I came to have life, to give you life, but not just life that you can make happen. Life to the maximum. Max out your life. Today I want to challenge you. If you've ever walked away from relationship with Jesus, or you've never related to Jesus at all, today you can be set free to live in a new reality. Jesus takes normal, and he makes it super. Natural, he makes it supernatural. Possible, he does the impossible. And today I want to challenge you. If you've walked away from relationship to Jesus, Maybe you didn't ever know the God that was fighting for you in your future. He's better than you think he is. He's better than you thought he was for sure. Else you would never leave him. I'm telling you what. Maybe you've never known him, never opened your life up to him. I'm telling you, he'd do dynamic things that your best thoughts on your best day could not will yourself into. He will literally take you from what's really, 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 really good for you to the impossible and what's easy for him. Nothing is too difficult for him. No limitation. Unlimited. He breathed you into existence for a reason. Respond to him today and give him your life. I'm telling you, you will be unlimited in your potential. He's not the God who wants to control you, make you look at him, make you be all whatever, whatever. No, he's the God who wants to release you into your destiny like you've never dreamed, thought, or imagined. He wants to do exceedingly and abundantly you on your best day. Today is your day of freedom, true freedom. Today is your day of impossibility. Today is your day to get out of your broken thoughts and into a lifestyle that transforms your future. Today you can think different thoughts. You can have permission and empowerment. He empowers you to think and to live differently, and he elevates your life. Today, if that's you, simply by raising your hand, I'd love to pray with you. On the count of three, if that's you, I would love to pray with you right where you're at in your seat today. I want you to invite Jesus into your heart. So if that's you, on the count of three, every head bowed, every eye closed. Pastor, that's me. One, two, three. I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you, sir. Come on, if that's you, I want to get back into relationship with Jesus. I want to step into the unlimited. If that's you this morning and you want to get into relationship fresh, I'd love to pray with you right where you're at. There's something about believing in your heart and asking with your mouth, confessing with your mouth, that changes your reality. 
One more moment. Don't let this thing pass you by. Come on, you could be free from the inside out today. Trust him. Give him your life. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's looking at you. Just If that's you today, you want to get right with Jesus, say, yeah, Pastor, I want to pray with you. It's an act of faith. Come on, that's awesome. Can we celebrate this decision today, people of hope? We're so excited for you. We believe this is the best decision of your life. It'll change your future. So today, let's do it together, church. Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you all of me. I believe you can take me places I can't take myself. I trust you more than I trust me. Forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me a new creation. I give you permission in my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Come on, let's celebrate one more time. We love this decision. Best decision of your life. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, thanks for watching. Go ahead and like this video. Share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video or live stream. And hey, don't forget, you can join us live every Sunday right here at 9 and 11. Thanks again for watching.